Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more? My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to be a new IPO. And provides unbiased answers. I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our February 28th, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in this hour. And in these volatile and uncertain times, I'm going to do my best to guide you through the process of making good, smart, logical investment decisions. In times of war, in times of market volatility, emotions can get high. And well, if there's anything we've learned from the past is that using emotions to make investment decisions, financial decisions, usually leads to bad outcomes and just simply poor decisions. And so the end goal here is to help you build the tools, build the mindset to make consistent consistently good financial decisions. And on this podcast, I'm going to do my best to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. So no matter what I'm speaking about, geopolitical concerns, currency concerns, market volatility, a strategy, particular company, I'm here to present all without bias and give you the facts as I see them in front of me and using my 20 plus years of investment experience. So I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show to how you want it to sound. Talking about the things that are important to you. So I I, I encourage you to interact with me right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or you can leave a question on our anytime voice bank. Either way, that number never changes. It's 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, Stephen Justin. I'm calling about the company Obsidian Energy, ticker symbol OBE. I bought it in December with expectation of oil prices continuing to rise. And I have had pretty significant gains since then. And I'm wondering whether or not I should uh, hold on to it or take some profits or buy some more. Thank you. Bye. All right. Looking at Obsidian Energy and... As you expect with most anything that's energy related, it's been up recently. Now, this is a company, a Canadian company engaged in exploration, development, and production of oil and gas, mainly in Western Canada. Now, if you know anything about the Canadian oil market, you know that their oil is usually 
not the easiest to refine. It's uh, typically what is called heavy crude, usually taken from oil sands, which means that it is typically cheaper than light sweet crude. That's what you always hear about when you're hearing WTI prices, Brent prices, you're looking at a high quality type of crude oil. And in Canada, that's typically more gunkier oil. I should say that tougher to, to uh, refine, like I said. Now, they also produce some natural gas and uh, their business has been doing very, very well. Earnings this year or excuse me, for 2021, it's set to be $5.34. Now, it looks like they recently emerged from bankruptcy. Yeah, went bankrupt sometime in 2020. They've emerged from that uh, in a much better financial situation. And while it is overbought, I don't see a huge reason to take it all off the table. Now, this might be a good time to reduce your position. Remember, it's not an all or nothing proposition when you're managing your portfolio. It's not, oh, I need to buy a ton of it or I need to sell all of it. Oftentimes, it's reducing your position, reallocating and um, rebalancing your portfolio. So it's supposed to make a dollar sixty-two this year or sixty-nine this year, dollar sixty-two next year. And it's an $8.48 stock. I still think it's pretty cheap. Um, but if you're getting overweight the energy space, this, this particular name, that's more than, say, 5 to 6% of your overall portfolio, you probably want to rebalance it lower on these opportunities. But I wouldn't be aggressively selling this position because it looks fine. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. Why are healthcare costs in the U.S. rising more than anywhere else? Healthcare almost always outpaces inflation in the United States accounts for more than 40% of all global health spending. Now, if we have time, here are some topics I will touch on today as well. And those include what is SWIFT? We know that one of the main ways uh, NATO has put sanctions on uh, Russia for their invasion of Ukraine is to cut them off from the SWIFT system. Now, what does that mean? What is the SWIFT system? So we're going to look at that. And then also, what are some ways that you can avoid getting caught up in bubbles? Well, part of it could be just understanding behavioral psychology. We're going to dig into that as well. And then lastly, SPACs. Startups, uh, they made up a lot of lofty comp, uh, promises and the vast majority of them are not working out. So what does that mean for the space? And I'll give you kind of a, an overview of why this is a sector or an area of the marketplace that historically is very shady. And this recent bout of SPACs is no different. So we're going to look at some of those statistics as well. well let's look at the market today. We had the S&P that was, let's see. That was down about 11 points, modest down day, especially in consideration to uh, over the weekend, Russia was cut off from the SWIFT system. And that means that this is, uh, this is, this is, uh, could mean a lot of problems for uh, Russian banks and the global financial system. At least that was the worry overnight. 
But we woke up, market was down, rebounded most of the day, sold off a little bit later in the day, and then had a rally into the close. And it was just a, a modest down day, especially in relation to the big move that we saw on Thursday, big reversal, and then follow through on Friday. And so the close of the month, remember this is the end of the month, closed decent. We didn't break any major support levels, uh, especially if you look at NYSE, the broader index. If you go look at my YouTube video from Friday, you'll see that this is still within a broader trading range that we've been in since April, May timeframe of last year going on nine months. And so nothing overall has changed in, in, in the market. Just a, a long consolidation pattern. You had the 10 year that dipped down a bit to about 15 basis points. That was actually a big move. So it's the market pricing in that, hey, maybe the Fed's gonna be less hawkish despite higher oil prices, etc. Gold was uh, relatively strong, up a bit today, and I think that will uh, be con that will continue. So to me, this uh, Ukraine situation has a lot of headlines and not a whole lot to be worried about, at least in the financial markets. Now we have good news for Invest Talk listeners that enjoy hearing unbiased answers to caller questions at a faster pace. We have posted an all-new February Rapid Fire Hour. It's available now as a free podcast download. I took on 23 questions, and listeners are reacting positively. So please tell your friends about the Invest Talk Rapid Fire podcast. And now the Invest Talk phone lines are open. So give me a call at 888 chart Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Let's go talk to Jess. She's in San Francisco looking at O'Reilly Automotive. Hi, thanks so much for taking my call. Yeah, I'm looking at O'Reilly, just wondering if this is a good time to buy. All right, well, O'Reilly, for everyone out there, they sell used car parts. And with the supply chain issues and low new car inventory and the price of used cars going up, their, their products have been in more and more demand because it's more expensive to replace your car than fix it than it typically is. And that has helped them dramatically. 2019, they made almost $18 per share. 2020, $23 per share. 2021, $31 per share and expected to be $33 and change this year. And then 30, almost $37 per share expected next year. Now, one thing I will say is this is a very good company. So you're looking in the right place. A company whose return on equity, return on assets have been consistently high, return on assets kind of in the mid-teens, which is very, very strong. Now, they do have a lot of debt, but uh, their, their cash flows are, are plenty uh, robust to, to, uh, to deal with that. And their profit margins uh, continue to be uh, pretty high. So uh, I like what you're looking at. The issue here is, will the supply chains ease this year? Most likely. You're already seeing that, uh, a lot of indications of that. 
and that there will be more and more there should be more and more inventory for these these cars and for new cars and uh, eventually used cars as well. And that's going to probably be more of a headwind over the next few years as opposed to what you've seen as a tailwind over the last few years. So that's my my big issue. And then technically, it's gone from very bullish to modestly neutral right now, kind of hovering right around right below this 100-day moving average and above the 200-day moving average. So what I will say is I like that this is on your watch list. But it's too expensive right now, and I don't like the potential headwinds in the near future. Our fair value is closer to $500 per share, and now it's trading at 650 Let's see, what was it close today? 600 yeah, around 650 So I think it's about 30% overvalued, and I would be patient on it because uh, I just don't love the chart setup or the fundamental setup. Thanks for the call, Thanks Jess. So no problem. But I like that she's looking at real companies, real cash flows, good profitability, etc. Uh, it's just a matter of buying that correctly, and I think it's a little late in the cycle for that. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. Why are healthcare costs in the U.S. rising more than anywhere else? Healthcare almost always outpaces inflation, and the United States accounts for more than 40% of all global health spending. And that's the issue here, is that... The healthcare market is fragmented. More than 54% get health insurance through their employer. And this is the main reason why healthcare spending is so high. Because people don't really feel it, like most things. When you go to a restaurant and you pay the bill, you feel the bill. You see the bill. The vast majority of people get their healthcare through their employer and they don't see the bill doesn't make any sense. And that's why the lack of choice is limiting competition and it's driving up prices. Not only that, but in a lot of states, there's mandates for profitability of these health insurance companies. They can't earn a higher, a higher profit margin than X. Well, what's if you can only own, earn a certain percentage of your revenue and profits, how do you make more money? Well, you increase the top line, which means that you want costs to go up in general. It's incentivized for costs to go up. And that's why hospitals, physicians, clinical care facilities make up more than half of total healthcare spending in 2019. So there's no incentive for all of the people within the entire healthcare industry to drive down costs. And that's why you continue to see costs going up and up. Now we're moving into a break. Give me a call. This is Invest Talk at 888 chart Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are ready to answer your finance and investment questions. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this question is for Justin. My name is Josh from Pennsylvania. Justin, I'd like your opinion on evaluation and outlook for a medium-sized life and disability insurance company, Unum Group, ticker symbol UNM, with a forward PE of 5, a dividend of 4.5, and rising ex 
expectations for their earnings. Earnings have been down recently because of both COVID mortalities and lower interest rates. It just seems like a good way to benefit from higher long-term rates, but maybe there is a reason this particular company trades at a discount. Looking forward to hearing your opinion on the show. Thank you. All right, looking at Unum Group, this is a name that we've owned in the past for clients, but not currently. It's the largest domestic disability insurer with the majority of premiums generated from employer plans. It offers a portfolio of other insurance products, long-term care, life insurance, uh, etc. And you're right, its earnings picture looks to be increasing. This year, it's supposed to make $4.62, up from $4.35 last year, only 6%. The issue here is that analysts are continuing to downgrade their expected earnings for this year and next year. And the positive, though, is that next year, they're expected to reach all-time high in earnings of $5.76. So that's good. The technicals look I would say modestly bullish above all the major moving averages and MACD is above the zero line and making, making higher highs. It does look relatively cheap, but it's not, it doesn't overwhelm me. It hasn't overwhelmed us, you know, since when we bought it long-term profitability is solid, not fantastic. Um, but that's why it's cheap. So why it's trading a little multiple. This is, I wouldn't call it a, a, a value trap. Uh, I just don't think, uh, I just think there's better opportunities. That's what happened to us. We liked it, made money on it, but we found better opportunities. And sometimes that's just what you have to do. Say, hey, there's more bullish setups out there in the market, more better companies that you, you just rather own. Um, and so that's my sentiment. It's fine, but there's just better opportunities, especially in the insurance space. So don't get too bogged down in that low P multiple. And that's a good lesson here is that sometimes companies trade at discounts for a reason. And it could be higher levels of uncertainty, could be lower levels of growth, could be situations beyond the control of the company, like COVID deaths, for example, that are hurting earnings and will likely hurting hurt earnings continuously in the future. And that's weighing on, on stock and it's why it trades at a low multiple. So that's kind of what I see here is that should trade a higher multiple than it is today? Probably, but not a high enough to get me excited about it. Probably shouldn't trade at a market multiple because of the slow growth and the overhangs. Um, and so that's why I kind of give it eh, six out of 10. Thanks for the call. 888.99 chart, 889924278. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Mike Hawk 83 says, when I look at the RSI at one day, five day, one month, etc." Why does the RSI change based on type of chart? Is looking at the particular time frame better when reviewing the RSI? And the answer is yes. The RSI stands for Relative Strength Indicator. 
So remember, everything's relative. And when you're looking at different time frames, like you said, one day, five day, one month, it's looking at the relative strength of that security versus the market as a whole. And that's going to change if you're looking at just today versus the last five days versus the last month or the last year. And so if you ever see that metric RSI, you want to know what you're looking at. Is this RSI for the quarter, the year, the week, the month? What is it? And the longer the RSI, the longer the, the period you're looking at, the more impactful RSI is probably going to be. Because any stock, for a million particular reasons, could outperform the market for a week, at uh, any particular week. And so you, you want to be looking at longer time frames, probably at least a quarter, 90 days, probably at least a year. So somewhere in that time frame, like I said, a month, a week, not long enough for me to get any context. But then also, it's just a number. You really have to look at the chart as a whole. Um, the trends within the industry are far more important. But that's why you see RSI varying depending on which length of time you're looking at. Now, in the next Invest Talk, the story behind this question. Which funds had heavy holdings of Russian debt? For the Russia-Ukraine crisis, the average emerging market bond fund held 2.9% of its portfolio in Russia. That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, 
AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my voicemail. Uh, love your show. Um, just really getting started in investing You know, pretty early on. I'm 24. Uh, doing a 401k and an IRA through a work and I'm just doing some investing on the side for you know some fun and to see if I can build some equity. I recently purchased 32 shares of Peloton stock at $30.18 a share. You know, I heard about the speculation of possibly Apple or Nike or Amazon buying Peloton and noticed that stocks had dipped so much that I figured, what the heck, I'll take, you know, I'll try to buy the dip. Um, stocks have now risen to, you know, currently looking at it, $38.99 a share. Um, and I've, you know, made about $280 on this investment so far. I was wondering what your thoughts um, and opinions were about Peloton and, you know, if you would recommend to, you know, hold, sell, or maybe even buy more. Thanks. Now, first off, I want to congratulate you for starting young, 24, and saving in 401k, IRA, getting into the investment process at a young age is, uh, is great. Um, now, when it comes to Peloton, however, uh, I need to, this is a good lesson for everybody. And the first is to, when a stock is down dramatically, like Peloton, down 77% from its 52-week high, Inevitably, there will be chatter. There will be rumors of companies being bought out, especially something as high profile, such a, a well-known brand name as Peloton. And a lot of that it will do will have to do with just people grasping at straws. Um, but when it comes to big corporate M&A, because that's exactly what this would be, Apple, Nike, Google, whatever, buying a company like Peloton. Let me clue you in, everyone out there, into something about corporate boards, corporate management teams. They are not out there looking for bargains. They're, they're not out there saying, oh, I think this company is cheap. So I'm going to go buy it. Uh-uh. Big corporate M&A is strategic, meaning they see huge potential in what this company is doing and that they can bring it into their fold and grow it even bigger. 
And then they'll look at valuation, see what makes sense financially. They'll never go the other way around. Unless it's some sort of private equity that's really, you know, just trying to pick up assets on the cheap and, and leverage balance sheets, etc. Then you might think of something like that. But even in that case, it's got to be a profitable company, cash flow positive company. And guess what? Peloton is none of those. So it's to lose less money this year, uh, next year, $1.09, but supposed to lose almost $4 this year. So never think corporate M&A is, is looking for these big tech companies that have fallen dramatically and buying simply because it's quote unquote cheaper. It's never going to be their first consideration. Strategic will be always number one. And frankly, a lot of the, these, these large companies, they could do, they could build what, at what Peloton has for a lot cheaper than what the current valuation is about $10 billion. Remember on a buyout, it's typically paying premium to that. So 12, 13 billion, that's a big bite still. And so I don't see Peloton being bought by Apple or really any other big player. Now, if it gets super cheap, you know, a couple hundred million dollars, then, you know, it might be a no brainer just for the brand of the value of the brand. But we're not even close to that right now. Um, so I would say no, sell it or sell it. I, I think it's going to go lower, much, much lower. Um, and don't be buying it based on some hope and dream that it's going to get bought out because unlikely to be so. 8899 chart, 8899 So I get through and ask your question on today's show. Now let's touch on Swift. We know we have a war in the Ukraine and the West sanctions uh, were many, were numerous. But the number one, the number one way that the West has uh, hurt Russia financially is through the SWIFT system. Well, what is the SWIFT system? And it is the, it stands for the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications. So it's a messaging network, an infrastructure that links the world's banks. And it's a secure way banks transmit transfer requests to each other. And oftentimes money is moved through multiple banks around the world, especially if it involves some sort of foreign currency before it finally hits its destination. That's run by member banks, handles of handles millions of daily payment instructions across more than 200 countries and 11,000 financial institutions. Iran, North Korea, they're cut off from SWIFT. Now, the vast majority of Russia. Now, why is this important? Well, when you're trying to conduct trade, foreign investment, remittances, and central bank management of the economy, cross-border financing is very, very important. On top of that, EU imports 40% of its natural gas from Russia. And some Western banks are exposed to Russia. For example, foreign banks have $121 billion in assets owed to them by Russian entities. So if Russia doesn't have access to SWIFT, they cannot pay those foreign banks. 
what is owed to them? About $14.7 billion is owed to U.S. banks. $25 billion each owed to Italy and French banks, Italian and French banks. Now, Fitch says that there are other alternatives that Russia could use. For example, there's a messaging system called Telex. Russia has also developed its own payment system, but only 23 foreign banks are connected to it currently. So it's not very robust. China, Beijing has its own payment system that Russia is connected to. Um, but that's limited as well. And this is going to drive Russia and China probably closer together. So it's going to cause Russia a lot of headaches. The big question is, is the headache going to be bad enough? Is it a migraine or just a small nuisance? Now, the worry is that this will accelerate the dollar, the, the move away from a dollar-denominated global financial system and basically show everyone out there that, hey, as long as you are on the SWIFT system, you're relying on the SWIFT system, you're going to be reliant on the U.S. and NATO. And therefore, is it in the strategic interest to move away from that and move away from a dollar-dominated dollar um, financial world? And I think, unfortunately, that's probably going to be the case. Now, how long will that take? It's going to take a while. But just another reminder that, hey, the U.S. kind of holds all the cards here. Now let's swing back to the Best Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin. Thanks for your feedback on SSD. I, I found it really useful. I was wondering if you could take a look at VTOL, which is Bristow Group. They're an oil services company. I was wondering how something like this would compare to a company like Halliburton or Baker Hughes. that are sort of the large names in, in that sector and whether you think rotating a little bit to oil services from oil would be a little bit of a hedge if oil prices were to go down due to a wave of production. Thanks. Uh, this is Bristow Group, VTOL is the symbol. They provide helicopter transportation services primarily to major oil and gas companies. And that's really the big difference here is they are uh, they're flying Products. Um, they're fl they're flying equipment uh, onto these offshore uh, and sometimes onshore vessels and platforms, drilling rigs, etc., all around the world. And so they're very very focused on that offshore market, which has more volatility than your onshore market because it's more expensive. And so this is going to have a lot more volatility. And that's why you saw the company go bankrupt in 2020. They lost $60 a share. And they've reemerged out of bankruptcy, it looks like. So let's make $3.39 next year. So it puts it at a 10 forward PE. Um, but I rather own, yeah, I rather own the big guys. You're going to pay more of a premium. But they're going to be more diversified. You're going to have less volatility in their business. And yeah, uh, this is a higher risk play. 
and I like it as a diversifier. I probably wouldn't be uh, totally on the EMP companies, exploration and produ production companies, or just the servicing companies like a Halliburton, like a um, like a Bristol Group. So diversification within the oil patch, within the energy patch, is smart as well. This wouldn't be my top play, but it is a high-risk play, which means that if oil continues to go up, this will do very, very well. But you'll have more volatility. Well, tomorrow is the first trading day of March, and that means 2022 is moving, moving pretty fast. We're two-thirds the way through the first quarter. And so I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KP Financial, located in Irvine, California, where we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. And we invest, we, we implement the same strategies for our clients as we do for ourselves. So if you need help understanding the risk in your portfolio, how to manage through this volatile market regime, this shift out of high multiple growth companies into real world value companies. I encourage you to schedule a call with myself for a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings. You can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our office at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Next up, we will go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank, so hang on. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. Question about PE ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance. If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year. Steve and Justin are fearless, so don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hi, I wanted to know if using such apps as the Cash app for investments is a legit way to get into the game of investing. Thanks. Now, I'm not intimately familiar with the Cash app, but what I will say is a lot of these apps, which make things look and sound easy, um, and uh, in a lot of ways they are, uh, is just simply a way to the index and take a lot of the a lot of the burden of decision-making off your shoulders. Now, that can be a good thing. Indexing at times can be a very good thing. But that's when the sectors that are overweight, those indexes are outperforming. And that is shifting. That's changing. That's not the case uh, currently and unlikely to be the case for this next decade. And so the best thing about these investment apps is that it's automatic. Oftentimes you're rounding up on your transactions. For example, uh, you can set up automatic contributions for, for your paycheck, uh, you know, various mechanisms to continuously save. And that's really the best feature of them. And that's the best feature of like 401ks because 401ks are an automatic contribution to your investment account and you're not thinking about it. And that's usually the best feature of these, the investments within them 
not the best you can do if you are educated. But if you don't want to make the decisions, you don't want to do a lot of research, and you just want to index, you just want to get the market returns, then it's fine. So you really have to understand what you're looking at. Now let's answer another iTunes review question. Yatalin says, I'm curious about your thoughts on buying Russian stocks Gazprom now with the idea of holding for 10 plus years. Well, the answer would probably be yes, if you're looking longer term. The war will be over at some point. And what will the end result be? It might be a new regime in, in Russia. It could be a new regime in Ukraine. Uh, there likely be some resolution, some compromise on both sides. And SWIFT gets reinstated. And Gazprom goes back to its expected levels. Now, there's always the risk that things could spiral worse and, um, you know, the Russian economy could be destroyed and the whole political system and there's an up that. Who knows? But in the near term, you're going to ex should expect a lot of volatility. So as long as you can handle the volatility, 10 plus years, probably do well. We're heading into our final break, so get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Justin. I was listening to your show a while back, and you talked about Goodyear Tires, stock symbol GT, and everything looked really good with it. And then all of a sudden today, after their earnings release, and they were a little bit pessimistic about the upcoming year, the stock kind of took a 25% dip. I was wondering, is it still a good investment? Should we wait, see where this kind of bottoms out? Do you think it's hit bottom and it was just a panic sell based on the invest, the earnings release? Uh, it still looks good financially across the board. Earnings are probably going to be a little bit down next year, but it's a solid company from everything that I'm seeing and what you reported. What are your thoughts on this now that it's taken that 25% hit here recently? Thanks. Love the show. Bye. All right, looking at Goodyear Tire and Rubber, and it did have a tough earnings announcement. It's down about 38% from its 52-week high. Uh, but this is a good example of a company doing well, but their projected earnings for the full year didn't meet market expectations. And this is let this be a lesson to everybody out there that it's not about what a company does in the past quarter last year. It's about what is the company going to do over the next year in the next quarters. And earnings are expected to still grow this year, 11% to $2.32 and almost $3 a share next year. And if it does hit that, then it's trading at a 5P multiple, five and a half. So it does look pretty cheap. I like it. Uh, now, technically, it's back to more of a neutral from a long-term perspective, but it's above its 100-week moving average and major support right around 1450. If it breaks 1450, currently trading about 1550, I would be more worried about. So that's a pretty good trade right there, risk versus reward, to at least have a bounce back to the high teens 
18, 19 dollars per share. I think that's entirely possible. Uh, still a good company, good cash flows, and no matter whether you're driving a internal combustion engine car or an electric car, you're going to need tires. Now the one issue is input costs of tires and the volume of new cars that are coming on the road. And I think that's a headwind for them. Uh, but that should abate sometime soon uh, in the market. So I like it. I like Goodyear. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch quickly on SPACs. SPACs. And there were a lot of SPAC deals completed last year. Almost 200. 199 in total. And the Wall Street Journal covered 63 of these companies that went public through a SPAC last year that had less than $10 million in trailing sales at the time of their listing. Listing Of those 63, 30% didn't meet their revenue or earnings expectations or, or projections. And that was the biggest issue here, is that so many of these companies or SPACs kind of abused their ability to make forward projections. Now, previously SPACs were just called blank check companies, reverse mergers and reverse mergers and blank check companies were notorious for pretty shady practices, promising the world and under delivering. And in a market where cash was abundant, Liquidity was abundant. Money flowed to the most speculative areas. And SPACs were those. And nobody speculated more on the future of the company than the leadership of the company. Because they put out such bullish financial projections, despite having little or no revenue in their history. For example, electric bus and van maker arrival, they withdrew their long-term forecasts where last March when they went public, it said it would grow from zero to $14 billion in just three years, which would be the faster, five times faster than what Google grew at when it went public. It hasn't yet produced any vehicles at all. And stock is down 85%, probably should be down even more. And the SEC is now looking into this. So it's another example of why you need to focus on companies that don't just talk about it, but they be about it, right? They actually are producing profits, producing revenue, producing cash flows, not just selling the dream. Because dreams don't make companies, real businesses do. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads and get your friends or get your, your Invest Talk podcast anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you leave a question with your, with your review, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. 
Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.